Welcome to Bella Figura, the tradition of living beautifully. I am your host, Dolores Alfieri Taranto. On this show, we talk spirituality for the rest of us with a focus on the art of beautifying all facets of your life using heritage, culture, beauty by hand, ancestral traditions, and old world style as means to do so. Welcome back, my friends. This is episode four of season four, and my guest is Ariel Martinez. I'm excited to introduce you to her, and I will do that in a moment. A quick apology. I know that I sound stuffy, and I sound the same in the episode um, interview here because we recorded this week and my allergies are just beating me up. I don't think I'm alone in this, but it's it's been a little rough. So apologies for that. Hopefully by the next episode, I won't sound like this. But spring is definitely here. There is no doubt about that. And the chickens are laying eggs. It's very exciting. They are brown, like a really pretty brown, light green and blue. And one of the best parts of the day is going out there to check if there are any in the coop. It's like getting a little Christmas present every single day. (laughs) After you put in so much time taking care of them, making sure that they're safe and fed and, you know, growing as healthy as possible. It's such a beautiful and totally amazing reward to be able to go out there and collect your own eggs. And, you know, I've said this before in various places on Instagram, on Substack here, which is that once you start growing your own food or raising, in this case, your own food, you really get a renewed appreciation for it. It's one thing to go to the supermarket and grab a dozen eggs and it's always good practice to be grateful for those eggs and your ability to purchase them and eat them and for the sustenance that they give you. But you really tap into the kind of wonder of those eggs when you're raising laying hens and when you go out there and with your own eyes and your own hands and reach for them it's just amazing to see these little chicks kind of grow into adult women (laughs) and begin this process of of laying eggs and this whole cycle and circle I know I probably sound really dorky but you guys are used to it by now (laughs) It really is just like gardening, you know, when you when you plant a seed and the seed begins to grow and it becomes a seedling and then you put it in the ground and then all these months later you have lettuce or you have tomatoes or you have strawberries. It really helps you to slow down and tap back in to the magic that our convenience and consumer culture has completely numbed us to. So if you want to hear more about the chickens, will you let me know? Because I'm happy to do some Substack posts, some more Instagram posts, maybe even put together a pamphlet on, you know, how to raise chickens from beginning, from the very beginning, you know, for, for starters, and let you know some of the tips that I've learned so far along the way. So just shoot me a DM on Instagram or email me at Dolores at com. 
All of this is linked to in the show notes. I'm not very hard to find. Okay, with that said, a quick reminder that I am over on Substack and I plan to spend more time there than on Instagram. I just, I really do love Instagram. I love connecting with everybody there. But Substack has kind of become a place where I feel like I can be more open and it just feels a little, I guess, safer. It feels just more like everybody who's there with me has kind of made a pledge that they want to be there. You know, you have to kind of put some skin in the game. Even if it's with the free subscription, you've given me an email address in order to join or you've actually, you're putting money every month, you're paying those few dollars every month or you're paying for a yearly subscription or even at a very generous founding patron level, which many of you have done. I'm so grateful. But all of that means, you know, you want to be there. It tells me that it's a place where we can really connect. So if you want more content like the content you're getting here on the podcast and over on Instagram, go ahead and click the link for Substack. Like I said, I have free memberships and as well as paid ones. It's just a few bucks a month if you want to do the paid membership. They do help me to keep doing this work. So I'm really thankful for all of you who have have joined at a at a um at a payment level, but I'm 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 grateful for all of you, honestly, everybody who's here with me on this journey. So, um it is doloristoronto.substack.com and that's also linked to in the show notes. And just a reminder that House of Tokamon continues to be a generous sponsor of this podcast. I love not only Annabelle, the owner, as a person, as a human being in this world, but I love her message, her mission, what she's about, and how she goes about doing it. If you are looking for beautiful, natural, non-toxic, hand-woven, vintage rugs this is the place for you fill your homes with beauty that is the theme of this season's show and annabelle and house of tokamon is all about beauty the rugs are sourced from around the world cleaned prettied up and shipped to you and you can get 25 percent off any rug by using the code BELLA25. I'll include that code in the show notes in case you forget it, but definitely hop on over to hotrugs.net and check out her inventory. I have some of her rugs in my own home. I swapped them out for big box store plastic toxic rugs, and I do not regret it. It's about investing in the good things, friends, in the real things, in the true things, in the things that make our homes better and richer and healthier, of course, for everyone living inside of That's hotrugs.net and use the code BELLA25 for 25% off your order. Okay, let me introduce you to my very lovely guest. Her name is Arielle D. Martinez. Ariel helps women all over the world free themselves from the industries that benefit from women not claiming their own autonomy. From the beauty industry that breeds insecurities and toxicity, 
the stylist client power dynamics in the salon industry, and the allopathic systems that don't seem to actually know how to truly be and stay well. With her guidance, women are actually healing their hair by using products they can make themselves at home with ingredients found in their garden that come straight from the earth and taking responsibility for the health of themselves and their families. Her no-poo method has developed a cult following of women ditching the shampoo for good, and her course, The Wild Mother's Medicine Chest, has allowed women from all over the world to become the healers of their families. And we get into both the no-poo method and the Wild Mother's Medicine Chest here in our conversation. So let's go ahead and jump on in. All right, Ariel, thanks for joining me. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Um, we had to do a little rescheduling, which happens. Uh, and one week I had like an overload of stuff. And then you were like, well, I have scheduled you for the, for a totally different day. <laughs> so it's fine, which I love because, you know, people, I love when people are on the same page. Like, you know, we're all trying our best. Yeah. To juggle everything. Um, but I'm really, I'm really happy to speak with you. And as I mentioned already to the audience, I'm stuffed because like stuffy because of allergies. And I was laughing because of all people to speak to today. It's like somebody who's all about healing and like supporting your body. And I was like, she's not gonna yell at me, but I feel like I'm failing. <laughs> that happens to the best of us. Like I got caught, you know, like yeah. oh, you caught me. So anyhow, uh, before we just jump into it, I'm sure it's going to be a great conversation. I love to ask people when we start the show to tell me a bit about their roots and the people that they come from. Thank you. Um, This is actually one of the reasons why I was so excited to come be a guest on your show, because, you know, I, as soon as I like saw your page and the podcast and like the Italian upbringing, I was like, it just like ignited a little piece of me Um, because that's something that's really close to my heart. So I, um, I am half Italian and half Irish. Mm. And so I feel like that's like a classic mix, classic mix. Yep. Yeah. I joke with my dad. He's mm-hmm. my dad. Why do you think Italian men always marry Italian women? And I was like, well, maybe they just need a different kind of crazy, but it's like, the, <laughs> you know, like just like a different <laughs> same intensity, just like a different yeah. style. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm half Italian, half Irish. Um, my journey with herbs and healing has helped me to connect a lot to my Italian roots a lot more um, because both of my grandparents on my uh, my dad's side died before I was born. Mm. And you know how that can kind of happen when like the leaders of the family pass away, the family kind of just like breaks up yeah. yep. in a sense, and it's a lot harder to be united. And so um, that of course happened like before I was even born and it's continued to happen. There's just like, you know, bigger divides, the older I get. Um, and it's been really hard to find information about that side of me. And so, um, learning, working with herbs and learning about like Italian folk medicine, um, you know, like even kind of exploring, like, you know, obviously Irish cat or Irish Italian, I grew up Catholic. And so like exploring like folk Catholicism and like more of a traditional Italian way has been like, so healing for that side of me that like, doesn't really know, but like yeah. wants to. Oh, you know, where I come from in that sense, um, you know, because I tried talking to all my aunts and uncles and I'm like, what do you, what do we know? You know, like, um, 
but they don't, yeah, it's just very quiet, very reserved, that kind of sense of like, we don't talk about anything. And so that um, using herbs to connect with my Italian ancestors has been really helpful. And um, yeah. How are, how are some ways? So, okay. So relatives, not so helpful. Sounds like what you're saying in this respect, at least. Yes. Um, how have you found ways to learn about that? Because I'm still always learning and I have, there's always more to learn. And, you know, I, I'm lucky my mother is, the more I talk to people, it seems to be like my mother is one of the few forthcoming Italians. <laughs> she like tells me stories. She tells me things. She's like, she's not reticent at all. And I really appreciate that because I learn, I've learned a lot of knowledge from her, but she's also a generation where she didn't do things like that. Mm-hmm. You know, it was my grandmothers and my great grandmothers who did, you know, things with herbs and potions and mm-hmm. uh, rituals. And I, I have, I never met my maternal grandmother who passed away before I was born, but my paternal grandmother, I ha- I do have memories of her when I was little doing things like the evil eye, like, you know, checking my father for the evil eye and mm-hmm. even doing, uh, which I don't know the name of it. I should probably learn it. Um, like my father was a landscaper and he fell one day like out of a tree. Mm-hmm. And I, re- I can remember still sitting on the stairs, looking down in the kitchen and my grandmother was beating eggs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. To make him like a cast. Like she made yeah. him like a homemade cast but my mom didn't do things like that. Yeah. She was like that generation that was going to be yeah. more modern. Right. They didn't um, learn Italian. They didn't want to take any history or tradition. Yeah. I mean, my mom came from Italy, so she does right. speak uh, Italian, but it's still, you know, she came here and there was, I, I always like joke, there was instant yeast and there was, you know, there were, there were yeah. things that <laughs> like, why would I do it the hard way if I can so. do it this way kind of. So my point is in all that is I'm lucky to have that, but also when it comes to a lot of the folk healing and, and such, I don't have as much access. So I'm wondering how have you learned? I was like a really long way around, but (laughs) Um, (laughs) here we are. I've been lucky to find like quite a few, um, different, uh, herbalist men, Italian herbalist mentors through Instagram. So, um, Instagram is great for that stuff. Yeah, I learned, I've studied a lot, taken a lot of classes with um, Lisa Fazio from the Root Circle. And Mm -hmm. she's another one who just has had like her Italian culture, grew up just steeped in her Italian culture. And, you know, that that was really carried down a lot. And so, um, you know, she kind of brought me back my love of like culinary herbs Mm -hmm. for her because, you know, it was like, um, you know, I know to use culinary herbs to heal, but like really learning how like really sacred they are in Italian folk medicine and like, you know, using them to heal and stuff like that. Um, yeah, just, you know, keeping it really simple. And so much of it is like, there's so much, um, you know, like superstition and yeah. different, you know, and even like the use of like, you know, something that has been really cool for me is um, growing up Catholic is like the use of like the saints. And like, you know, these ways to, um, you know, facilitate healing. And I always grew up, you know, like praying to St. Anthony when I couldn't find something or whatever. So kind of bringing that in, in a way to like, you know, add to the healing. And um, I I just want to tell listeners, they've heard me say this before, but I have like a radar. I didn't know all this about you. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) 
like now I'm like, oh, we're best friends. Easy. Yeah. Done. Like that's I, but I didn't know that. I mean, obviously you knew it about me, but yeah. we didn't talk about it via email and in your work, mm-hmm. at least so far, it's not really a huge no. part of your platform. Yeah. Maybe that'll change. Maybe it won't. Yeah. So I had, I had no idea, um, all of that, but that's amazing. I totally, yeah. I click with all of it and, and I resonate with it. And I, I actually would, I hope that you do incorporate it into some of your work yeah. so I, I can see more of it and learn more. Yeah. You know, it's, it's really something that is circling back for so many of us. Mm-hmm. And I, I wanted to start this show and so much of my platform because, you know, growing up, it w- I've always been like, kind of, I had like a little granola streak and like been a little woo woo, but then I'm not really like, I just, I don't use certain, like there's a certain language that I find people use. I don't call mm-hmm. myself a witch. Like I just don't, yeah. it doesn't resonate with me. It doesn't click with me. Yeah. And I wanted to like the original tagline was for this show is, you know, spirituality for the rest of us. So mm-hmm. kind of like a little uh. tongue in cheek, like this idea that you don't have to be anything special, right? Like you don't have okay. to like, right. Like you don't have to like use new words and buy new clothes and <laughs> call yourself like different things because our ancestors didn't do that. Right. It was okay. just life. Like they were mm-hmm. moms, they were grandmothers, they were wives and they went in the cupboard and they knew how to use the things that were in there to heal their families and themselves. Yeah, exactly. And I think for, for so many of us, you know, who, who we don't have that knowledge because we have those generations in between, like my mother's where it was, you know, they told doctors were telling her that breast milk was bad. Yeah. That's a whole like generation of women who just, it, the, all the wisdom just fell through. Yep. Yeah. It's really sad. It's, I think it's it something is. generation really grieves a lot. And, um, I also see it as like this, like wake up call in our generation. You know, I've heard before that like, um, like grandchildren and like grandparents and great grandparents have like a certain like spiritual link because they weren't always like on the same plane, like their spirits would cross paths, mm. cross paths, you know, in the spirit world. Um, and so there's like an inherent like call to knowing. Mm. And I think that something about that is really beautiful because, um, you know, when you think about like, you know, the relationship between like us and our parents or our parents and their parents, you know, there wasn't that like cross, right? Like they were already right. here, you know, and they're, yeah, you know, know. And, but like, we had time to know our grandparents, maybe not in this world, but in a different, you know, spiritual sense. And so I feel like that kind of comes with like, you know, maybe there's like a grieving in the other, on the other end too, of our ancestors who are like, where are our ways? Like what happened? We wanted you to, you know, we wanted you to do what you're doing, but it's like gone a little bit too far and like bring them back. And that call's kind of been reawakened in us. Oh, I just got my chills. Yeah. (laughs) I just got my chills, which tells me like something's true. I, I totally agree. And I think what we're dealing with right now is we are such a species of like the big swings. Mm -hmm. So it can't just be like, let's add a little modernity, Mm -hmm. you know, like let's make things a little simpler. It's Mm -hmm. just gotta be, it never stops. It's voracious. Mm -hmm. And now we're at a point where None of us knows how to do anything ourselves. <laughs> I mean, I'm generalizing, right? Yeah. Like, you know, you know, you, you wake up one morning, you don't know how to feed your family. You don't know how to 
get food if it's not on the shelves. Mm -hmm. You don't know how to heal yourself without the intervention of a pharmaceutical industry that may or may not be corrupt. Right. Like you, you're just like, I'm helpless. Mm -hmm. And basically it's, it's a, there's no like middle ground anymore. And I think that what the biggest fallacy is that we assumed like modern life was like here forever. Right. Like, you know, and I think something about the pandemic maybe was, was it the wake up call that it's not always going to be like, as long as I have money, I'll be fine. Yeah, totally. Right. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, as long as like there'll always be food on the shelves, I'll always Mm -hmm. be able to get what I want. It was like a little of an eye opening that, you know, times change and like this way of life doesn't have to be this way. Yeah. Forever. People's priorities shifted and they realized that, you know, there's, you know, I think it's natural when people are scared. One reaction is to want to feel, try to control your environment to feel safe. Mm -hmm. And I think we saw a lot of different versions of that during the pandemic in a lot of different ways. But I think one of them, one of the really beneficial things is we saw a lot of people wanting to like kind of reclaim a little bit of that like you know things that we just took for granted from modern convenience and you know right that's exactly right yeah working on the mini homesteads and learning about herbs and um you know maybe getting some backyard chickens you know just Mm -hmm. kind of starting to dabble a little bit and learn and you know kind of take that power back in a sense and you know you mentioned this kind of call from the grandparents and the great grandparents. Mm -hmm. And it was almost like, not almost like, let me say that again. Mm -hmm. I know from growing up as, as the daughter of immigrants that my grandmother's ways, they were like embarrassing, Mm -hmm. you know, modernity also kind of teaches you that like, if you want to be hip modern, right. And like with it, that, all you have to abandon those things yeah totally and I've read I've read please go ahead you have to fit in right that's like the that is that little piece deep in our like survival part of our body that teaches you to survive that's like I can't be different because I'll get cast out and then you know I die isolated well and there's even like a or like phrasing these things as backwards and forwards, right? So like our grandmother's ways were backwards, but, you know, going to the doctor, taking lots of pills, buying food that's like manufactured in a factory, that's forwards. Yes. And I think that's just, it's just being, for so many of us, it's being flipped. Like what is actually forwards and backwards anymore? Yeah, it's... Yeah, it's that pendulum swing and trying to find that happy medium. And, you know, I think a lot of us are, we're okay for a bit. (laughs) Yeah, you know, like I always keep trying, like I I say, you know, um, when in doubt, go backwards. Meaning, Mm -hmm. you know, when you don't know what to do, the best thing is to look back. But I I keep having to, like, I want to come up with a better phrase for what I'm trying to say. Because backwards has this connotation of being undesirable. Yeah. Or like outdated or yeah. Yeah. Ignorant, you know, all of these things. Mm -hmm. And there's something beautiful about you kind of hinted at this, right? What did our, what did our ancestors want for us? They wanted us to, you know, perhaps like 
be educated and be sophisticated and and have like these great lives but also not abandon our roots and there's something really beautiful about women like you and I kind of bringing those two things together and saying you know I am this and this yes being able to hold like the duality yeah the exactly the duality somebody sent me on Instagram today, they sent me a reel of a woman. I guess she's like a homesteader. She's putting up all these foods and jars and she's, I can't forget. I can't remember what song she has playing, but it was something like quote things people have said to me about her way of life. Like, you know, it's a waste of time. You're crazy. Why can't you just be normal? And one of them was you're setting women back a hundred years. And I was like, that is like, what, what is setting back, mm-hmm. right? Like can't yeah. like take, right? Taking care of like animals, your family, food, growing your own food, like that's backwards. But, you know, we today, you know, in, in the modern world, it's a fact that women are depressed like they've never been. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's just something to think about. It's all, it's all topsy-turvy. <laughs> yeah. I think it's, um, yeah, I you know, I, the last 13 years of my life, I was working behind the chair as a hairstylist. And I talked to a lot of women every day. I talked Mm -hmm. to like, you know, a hundred plus women a month. And the ones who are in the corporate world had a lot of pressure and a lot of, you know, like a lot of stuff to deal with. And, um, I saw a lot of, yeah, just like a lot of things, coping mechanisms happening to like get yeah. through that or feel like they're on an equal playing field or the pressure to not be seen as a woman in their industry or not mm-hmm. be seen as the weak link in like a male dominated field, you know? Um, and that was also something during the pandemic that I, I actually got to have some of these relations, like these, some of my relationships with these clients and women shifted because I got to see a different side of them. Um, where they were working from home, or maybe right. they weren't working as much, or they were able to, you know, they weren't feeling like the high pressure. Um, they knew it was going to come back, like it was kind of looming there for a while, like knowing that eventually they'd have to go back. But um, yeah, just like this, in this like softening, where I was able to kind of get a glimpse into like more like who they truly were versus like the rough exterior that they were projecting, mm-hmm. um, you know, to like not be different, right? Right, right. They were probably seeing different sides of themselves. Yeah, totally. <laughs> a lot of people did. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's it's been a real lesson these past several years uh in unfortunately seeing how much of everything has really been like a lie. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. <laughs> and, and like how- if my 18-year-old self knew what my you know, oh, <laughs> 2-year-old self is thinking and like she would hate me. Like she'd be like, you go backwards. You're terrible. Like, what are you thinking? Yes. Yes. Yeah. My listeners are laughing right now because I, I talk about that a lot. You know, I did not think I would be this person, but, mm-hmm. but every, but like, there's been like a cataclysmic flip, mm-hmm. you know? And it's just kind of like, how can you not be Yeah. now? But I totally, totally get what you're saying. So mm-hmm. I I mean, I went on a rant. I don't know. I took you with me. Thanks for coming. (laughs) Before I keep going, I I did want to have you tell us a little bit about how you came to this wonderful work that you're doing. You mentioned a bit being a hairstylist for a year, but can you tell me for years? Can you tell me a little bit about that? 
Um, yeah, I mean, long story short, I was a hairdresser. I graduated hair or high school early, went straight to hair school, um, had a really wonderful, successful career as a hairdresser. I loved my job. I had a little one chair salon. I worked for a, a product company, like teaching other hairdressers education. Um, and I was like really good at what I did and I made a lot of money and it was great. And, um, after I got pregnant with my daughter, my oldest daughter, who's five now, she, um, you know, I think there's once again, that kind of shift kind of happens during pregnancy and like the first birth, that like big, excuse me, rite of passage, you know, and all of a sudden we are taking care of someone other than ourselves. And like, it's our innate, um, you know, desire to like have everything for them be like perfect and not mess anything up and, you know, <laughs> give them the best, most pure things we can. And so of course, um, you know, I started to shift kind of back into some of the things that I remembered of, you know, I, my, my mom was like a crunchy hippie and she was somebody, you know, it was one of the, that was embarrassing to me, you know, right. <laughs> I like, you know, shed that as a young woman and a young adult. And then I kind of started to shift back into that and like, remember some of those things, um, and understand like what my mom was doing for me. And I had a terrible traumatic first birth with my daughter. And, um, I kind of just had this, you know, like I said earlier, like the, the fear and the scare, we, when we're fear and we're scared and we have trauma, you know, we can kind of need, find the need to control. Yeah our environment a little bit. And so my way to do that and my way to heal was knowing that, um, just kind of like the medical system wasn't a place that I wanted to rely on anymore because ultimately like they don't have my best interest at heart. You know, I I saw it in that moment with my birth very much for like the industry, it's like an industry, like a money-making industry that doesn't really care about like person. Um, And so I was like, okay, I'm not going to subject my daughter to this anymore. I don't want to subject my family to this. Like, what do I need to do? So I don't have to rely. And, you know, I turned to herbs, which was something that I had, you know, familiarity with growing up and, um, yeah, just really dove in on this journey, becoming a healer and like embracing like this, this version of myself as a healer. And as I went on that journey, you know, I had a lot of clients who, um, you know, were kind of on the same like life trajectory as me. Like, you know, um, we all kind of got married around the same time. We all kind of had our first baby around the same time. And so a lot of these, um, you know, women were asking me questions or starting to recognize me as kind of like this new version of myself and asking me questions Mm -hmm. about their health. And, um, it got to the point where I felt like I kind of had a conflict of interest with my, um, you know, like what I was doing and like what I like was saying, like, yes, I understand. Um, Cause you're doing traditional, very traditional salon hair care. You're the chemicals, the bleach, the, um, um, Mm -hmm. ammonia, the whole works. Yeah. All of it. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of started to shift out. I, I just, you know, hair care was like the last thing on my life, my, my list, like toss, you know, because it was like part of my job and like, right you know, there's so much deconstructing and deconditioning around that. Um, but eventually, you know, um, I stopped using shampoo on my own hair and I started, you know, discovering other methods for like, you know, very, like, I don't even want to call it natural beauty because it's like even more deconstructed. It's like purely just like using pure plain herbs and ingredients from the earth that don't need a lot of fuss or fancy to like make myself 
you know, have these like beauty, natural beauty rituals. Um, and like all of a sudden my skin had never been better. My hair had never been better. Um, a lot of my clients were really interested in it, wanting to try it. Um, and I probably could have had a successful salon changing gears and switching to like this behind the chair. But, um, ultimately I decided to kind of switch and take it virtual. And now, um, I teach women online, you know, how to ditch these, you know, chemicals in their hair community and hair care routines and adopt, um, you know, you get to keep the ritual, right? Because like a lot of women like the ritual of like, getting ready before they like go out on a date mm-hmm. or you know, like, um, you know, a lot of women would say like, you know, we could talk, this is like a tangent of its own, but like, you know, talking about shaving, their body. It. <laughs> like, I'm not supposed to shave my body, but I just like doing it. There's right. something about shaving my legs, you know, before I go out on vacation or something. And so, you know, replacing this rich, still getting like the ritual, which I think is what we really like. Um, and being able to feel, feel beautiful or, sure you know, whatever you like, whatever you get from doing this, but without like the chemical and also like increasing your relationship with like the world around you. Um, and so that's, yeah, I haven't shampooed my hair in like three years and now Which we're going to talk about, you call it the no poo method. We're, we're going to yeah. talk about that. Let me tell you about our partners, Dry Farm Wines. You guys, you've been listening to me talk about Dry Farm since pretty much the show began and there is a reason for it i trust by now you know i would not rep anything i did not believe in and i did not love myself in this house we make our own wine we make homemade wine and i love me some homemade wine when i'm not drinking homemade wine the only wine i drink in this house is wine that i get from dry farm And why is that? Because Dry Farm sources wines from around the world, from small family vineyards that are similar to the homemade wine that we make. Meaning, there are no additives. There's no added sugar. There's no toxic chemicals added to the grapes. And the result is wine you can feel good about drinking. There are no dyes. These are all things that are in the wine bottles, on the shelves, at the grocery store, at the liquor store, and I won't drink them. I have been a member of Dry Farm for years now, and I get excited still to this day every time a box of wines shows up at my front door. If you use the link provided exclusively for Bella Figura listeners, dryfarmwines.com forward slash Bella Figura, you'll receive a bottle of this beautiful crafted wine for just a penny in your first order. That's dryfarmwines.com forward slash Bella Figura, and I will link to that in the show notes as well. You know, I think kind of inherent in what one of the things you just said is the beautiful part. We Mm -hmm. do want to look beautiful Mm -hmm. and we do want to feel beautiful. Yeah. And sometimes I've totally been guilty of this. It seems like natural products, herbal products Mm -hmm. just don't cut it. Yeah. Like you're, you're just like, I can't like my hair is not going to look good Mm -hmm. unless I use 
X, Y, and Z products. And I have done a big shift in a lot of, um, big shifts, I should say in a lot of areas. And I I would say the hair care is like my, like, kind of like you said, it's the last frontier and I'm still working it out. Um, I have stopped using like, like traditional dyes, Mm -hmm. but it's really difficult to find a fit. Like I, for year, for first of all, for years, I didn't even dye my hair. Yeah. Then I started using henna. Mm-hmm. Then I got a little older. I started getting more grays. So I started doing like a traditional salon coloring my hair. So mm-hmm. I haven't, luckily I haven't been doing it for like, you know, I mean, I have, my nieces are like 15. Mm-hmm. They've been like dyeing their hair since they're like 15, you know, young yeah. girls now it's, I'm like, why it's perfect. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like your hair is absolutely perfect. Yeah. It's shiny. It's brand new. Like I, that I never really, I still don't understand, but you know, I, I'm not a youngin anymore. Um, but the henna, you know, going back to it, I was like, this just does not work for my life now. Like I couldn't be certain the color was going to come out. It was fading really quickly. Like I'm a mom, I'm an entrepreneur, I'm a wife. Like I, so there's that too. So if you want to talk a little bit about, I guess like our resistance to the, um, going natural or using natural products. Yeah. And I think, I mean, part of it is like the shift in this mindset, you know, as this general theme of our conversation kind kind of tends to be like the industries that are, you know, trying to keep, uh, you know, trying um, to kill us. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's like a huge moneymaker, right. Is to make us feel inferior. Right. And so if we're inferior, we all have the need to want to be beautiful. That's, that's just, you know, it's once again, it's a survival. We want to be desirable. We want Mm -hmm. to be beautiful. We want to be loved. Um, and I think that the best way to get us dependent on, or like to make money off of us is to tell us that we're not those things. And we need to do all these very unattainable on our own things in order to like match that standard. It's exhausting. All of the things that we desire. Yeah. Yeah. You know, one of my, one of my, um, my like attention grabbers when I used to educate behind the salon was like asking women to count how many products they use from the moment they woke up to like walking out the door to see me. Um, and then saying like the average woman comes, you know, uses an average of like anywhere between 50 and 200 products a day. I mean, you know, we're talking toothpaste, okay. contact solution, everything, you Got know, it. not like a little hairspray. And, um, at the time, like that was me being like, yeah, you can really make a lot of money in this industry. Women are using 200 products a day. Like, come on. Oh, I see. Okay. Uh-huh. But now I'm shifted. And like, now it's like, holy crap, that's like so much. Like, you know what I mean? Like, just mm-hmm. like the money and the insecurity and all of that. So I think there's this idea of like shifting your mindset to like, from like needing and lacking to like, you already have it. And now it's like adornment and like ritual. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I mean? I do. Um, so like, you like know, that. we're talking yeah, we're talking about this like pendulum string swing, right? So like you kind of have to love who you are first before you if you're just going to go straight to the natural stuff without like loving who you are bef- without it, without any of it, then the natural stuff might not be best for you because you're still trying to unattain a beauty standard that like isn't attainable with the Whoa. natural. Whoa. I you get know? what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, no, <laughs> so, that was just a little light bulb moment. It's it's yeah. like a very I don't want to say it's a simple idea, but you hear like, oh, love yourself, love yourself, blah, 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 love yourself. Mm -hmm. But I totally get what you're saying. 
Yeah. Totally like the theme of this conversation that it's, it's a paradigm shift. It's inverting what you've always known Yeah, or thought you had to believe. Yeah. You have to change completely. Otherwise you're not gonna. So yeah, I had to like, after my daughter, my first daughter was born, I like had this thought where I was like, I don't ever want to look in the mirror again and like, be like, Oh, you know what I mean? Like I need my makeup yeah. on or like, Oh, see a picture of myself. Be like, Oh, well, I didn't have my eyebrows done that day. You know what I mean? It's like, it's not a good picture. So I completely got rid. I stopped wearing, I stopped doing everything. Like I, I, I was just like extreme as extreme. Like I stopped wearing any makeup. I stopped coloring my hair. I stopped shaving my body. Um, ate all of it. Like it was just all gone. And then I got to a point where that was me and I like me and I like how I look and I'm accepting, like, I like the woman I see in the mirror who like wakes up first thing in the morning. Like, I think she's beautiful. So now I'm bringing back in the fun okay. stuff that I liked and I like remembered, but in a new way. So like, I'm experimenting with like, um, you know, like natural anti-aging, like, you know, yes. and like, you know, I'm washing my hair with clay and like, you know, having fun, like playing with my curl and, um, you know, coloring my eyebrows with, you know, with like plants and henna and stuff like that versus just like for fun. Cause I know that I like what I look like without it. And I know I don't need it anymore, you know? So it's like, it can be playful and fun and like it scratches okay. that itch for like the ritual and adornment. So is it safe to say that if your goal is to look like J-Lo mm -hmm. or Kim Kardashian, herbal products are not for you. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, I get I, that. I get what, I mean, obviously, but also like, I think that's what we need to, to kind of get to, right? Like that's like cracking the shell right now. Yeah. You have to decide. Do yeah. you want to look like that? I mean, okay, mm -hmm. let me rephrase. Do you want to look like that and kill yourself mm -hmm. maintaining what is largely a completely fabricated beauty mm -hmm. um, perpetrated by people who have a lot of help and a lot of money to do that. Yeah. And they benefit from you looking from looking like that. Cause then, you know, like Kylie Jenner, I think is like, you know, I was in the salon when she started getting her lip injections and every 16 to 18 year old girl wanted to look like Kylie Jenner and like, she's a billionaire because of it. It's great money for her, you know, great business for her. And um, why is that? Like, explain that to me. Like, why is, why does she make money off of other women getting lip injections? Well, she has like the, her makeup line and she has a lot of different businesses that like, you know, when she first started coming out, I think they were like the lip kits, right? It was just like lip liner okay. and, lip, and they yep. sell out so fast. Um, you know, and I'm, you know, get your big lips. And when you get your big lips, get my lip kit mm -hmm. for your yeah, big lips. Or your mom will let you get lip injections because you're only 16. My lip kit's going to make your lips look like you have them. You know what I mean? Until yeah. you can get them. I mean, I know more girls that turn 18 and get lip injections and a boob job now than like, and that wasn't like, that wasn't normal for my age. You know what yeah. I mean? But now it's, it's kind of like almost this weird kind of rite of passage for like really young women, but that, you know, when we have this idea of like a lot of these women don't know what photos of themselves without a filter looks like mm. you know I mean, like, that was another thing I started doing. I got rid of all the filters. You know what I mean? Like they were kind of fun when they first came out. And then I was like, no, I can't see myself altered because I'm going to expect that it's just another form of makeup in like a tech way. I got it. Yeah. So, so we're manipulating. So we're, we're having the idea of beauty in its essence, like in its very form is being manipulated. 
has been manipulated. Totally. And like every other industry, there are people who benefit from that. Yeah. And it's and completely unattainable for us. So let me tell you something. I'm, I'm, Cause I keep here. This is like, I like, hear, I don't hear things, but like, I, I know I need to say this. Something's yeah. telling me to say this. I've been thinking a lot lately. This is a little vulnerable and I hate doing that, but I'm going to do it. <laughs> Everybody knows I'm like, oh, I'm going to say this. I don't want to say it. Um, I've been thinking recently that I don't think I have had more self-doubt and criticism when it comes to beauty mm-hmm. ever than since Instagram. Oh, yeah. And that because of my age, I luckily did not have to deal with that mm-hmm. as a teenager in my 20s even. And all of a sudden, here I am at an age where I should be completely confident in a sense, right? Like mm-hmm. of my beauty and my maturity. And and instead, I, f- I catch myself being the most critical mm-hmm. of myself I've ever been. Like, mm-hmm. I'm like, shouldn't you have gone through this when you were 16? Yeah. But when I was 16, I was fine. Yeah. I was like, I'm pretty. Mm-hmm. I'm not like stopping traffic, but like, I'm good. My hair is really great. I have beautiful eyes. I have nice skin. That's, that's wild. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. And I think, you know, I don't think that you're the only one that feels that way. I think, I think that is like the fallacy of Instagram that like every single person believes that everyone has, or every, each person believes everyone else has their shit together and Nailed they're it. the ones that don't and oh my gosh I'm gonna give you like a round of applause you nailed it you nailed it no that's like you know on my Instagram sometimes I'll share something that you know a Q&A and they'll be like what's your weakness and I'll be like oh I love a little Caesars pizza and I'll get hundreds of messages that are like I can't believe you eat little Caesars thank you for sharing that like that makes me feel so much better and I'm like yeah I'm not perfect like you know what I like yes yeah yeah no I do because I feel sometimes I stop and think, am I making somebody feel this way? Like Mm -hmm. the way I can feel looking at Instagram because I do not want to do that. Yeah. Like I, I try to be as real as possible, but also like, you're also not going to like hop on Instagram and snap a picture of your little Caesars pizza and be like, Hey guys, what's up? Just scarfing down some little seat. Like, it's just like, you're not going to do that. Because first of all, you don't want to promote that. Like, you know, and it's just not your platform. So people have to understand. And by people, I mean, Dolores as well, that it's not, it's not like um, every minute of people's lives. It's just memoir. It's very specific. Yeah. Yeah. But I have been thinking a lot, like what would have happened to me if Instagram was what it is now and I was 15? Mm -hmm. Oh my God. It'd be terrible. You know, it would be I, terrible. Yeah. I think this generation of, you know, adolescents are, you know, they're dealing with, it's completely foreign territory. You know, we don't yes, know, we don't even begin to know, you know, I mean, what the first iPhone came out, what, like less than 15 years ago? Yeah, not, not, yeah, no, yeah, exactly. I think so. So we don't really know at all. We have no long-term data we have no long-term threshold to know like what are the ramifications of like growing up 
in a world that revolves around social media and Instagram and all of this, you know, it can't be good. It can't. Yeah. Be. I mean, if it's doing it, to, if, if grown women like me are internalizing this stuff as a teenager, you have no concept to understand because you've never known anything else. Like at least I got to know something else, which was like, and that I was telling you, you know, I didn't dye my hair. I didn't wear makeup until mm-hmm. I think I was like, I mean, I don't know, late twenties. Yeah. I was like very natural, like, and mm-hmm. I was fine with it. I thought yeah. like, I thought it was beautiful the way I was. What? Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. What? <laughs> so I love that. I love, that's a big lesson I'm going to walk away with today. Like that idea of really this idea of beauty, you have to relearn it. Uh, mm-hmm. Or you can, or you can decide that like, it's not for you and just know like you're going to be chasing, you're going to be chasing that mm-hmm. for yeah, the rest it, of your life. It, yeah, <laughs> that- exactly. And it's the idea also that like, you know, you have to kind of learn the rules before you can break them. Right. So like, you know, at the beginning of these journey, you might feel like really freaking scared about like seeing the person in the mirror without all the stuff, you know what I mean? Um, and I think that it, you know, eventually that doesn't mean that you have to be that person forever. You just have to love that person, how they are. And then, you know, you can, you don't have to look like that for the rest of your life, but you know, you want to get to the point where you're okay if you do. Yes. I get that. And then you can work in some of the other stuff. Um, and sorry, if you were not done, sorry. Could you tell us a little bit about like, what, what are some of the problems, issues with, traditional um not traditional but uh mainstream hair products and hair care well so I think that the biggest the biggest reason why women go no poo beyond so obviously there's like an immunotoxic level so like hair care I think has like it all has a scent, right? Like think about like, what's, what's a salon known for you going in and it smells so good. Right. Mm-hmm. So immediately we're like, just the scent alone. It's like endocrine disruption, um, you know, possible immunotoxicity, even the essential oils have, you know, are falling into that category too. Um, so for like the more natural salons, you know, any sort of, any sort of fragrance. And then you have, um, you know, your like ethylated products that are in a lot of skin and hair care that, um, can cause a lot of problems. You have like, you know, shampoo itself as a surfactant, it's a surfactant, not a soap wasn't even a thing until we, it's, it's a byproduct of the war industry surfactants. Isn't everything. I I feel like everything is a byproduct of the war. Yeah. Like, oh, we have this, let's use it. We yeah, made well, this they were used to clean war equipment. And then once the war equipment goes away, which like right. also is really aggressive to use something used to clean war equipment on your body. Yes. Um, yeah. But it's co- the main one. And I, I'm going to butcher the name and it's not going to be right. But if you type even a little bit of it in Google, right. it'll come up because my brain just kind of glazes over the whole word, but it's like, oh, my Ben Benel something. Um, that's, that's the surfactant. That was what, that was the one. And, um, you know, that's like terrible for you. It's carcinogen, all these things. And so, you know, and now we've, we've, you know, we know about sulfates and whatever, but we, we haven't really changed it. Like the hair care uses those, they use like, Oh, 
you know, this is bad for you. So buy this instead, but it's just like a molecule of mm-hmm, a different mm-hmm, sulfate-free mm-hmm. shampoo still has a sulfate derivative in it. It's not really sulfate free, like maybe from like a chemical perspective it is, but like, you know, you're talking about like really nickeling and diving molecules here. Um, and so, you know, it's just, it's all the ingredients, right. It's the toxic overload. And like in our society, we're just as, especially I think as women, um, in our culture, we just have a lot of toxic overload. You know, we have a lot of exposure to toxic products. I mean, we all think about it. We all switched freaking using scented tampons and like nobody uses Tampax anymore. Everyone switches over to Thinks. And then we just learned that Thinks has all those chemicals, forever plastic chemicals in them. And now we have to throw away our Thinks. It's like, you know what I mean? It's like, I know. It's so you can't win. win. You yeah. can't win. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, my goal is knowing I'm never going to get rid of all my toxins in my life. It's always going to be ex- even just breathing the air. I'm, I'm getting toxins. So like to think about like, you know, you gotta, you gotta have like a balanced mindset here, but, um, hair care is a way that I can reduce my toxic overload by just choosing not to do it. And, you know, as a side effect, um, you know, I actually end up feeling like I look better, but that's right. another, treatment. basically the way that this works on your hair, like just minus the chemicals, Shampoo cleanses your natural oils. It strips them from the hair, which we all know, like your natural oils are good for your hair, right? Right. Um, so we solved that problem of the shampoo switch stripping the natural oils by introducing conditioner. Right. And those are your fake natural oils, but they're not actually your real natural oils. So then you have to use serums, you have to use creams, you have to use all of this stuff while you're applying your heat protector to make your hair do something that it doesn't do, um, which it might do, or it might look even better if you just stopped using the shampoo in the first place. You know, it's it's, tra- it's going backwards, right? It's starting at the beginning. I can Why just go I to sleep right now. Like hair. it's so <laughs> overwhelming. Not not meaning like bored, just meaning like oh, yeah. like it's you uh, just check out, yeah. But so what happens is when you stop using shampoo, <laughs> your natural oils are allowed to, to do their thing. Okay. And, you know, there's going to be a time, just like there's a time where you're uncomfortable looking in the mirror without your makeup. There's going to be a time where you just don't feel like you look good and you look worse to yourself than you do anybody else who's looking at you, of course. Um, but, you know, your hair is finding its new equilibrium. And then there's a shift and something changes. And for some women, it's four weeks. For some women, it's up to a year um, where your hair just, you wake up one day and the natural oils have figured it out and your hair soft, your hair shiny. You don't need conditioner. It feels softer than it's ever felt with conditioner. Um, and you have like all this natural body and your hair might be curly. Like people who wanted curly hair their whole life and never had it all of a sudden have wavy hair, you know? And so, um, or if your, your hair is really curly, all of a sudden it's not frizzy anymore. Like I don't mm. have any product in my hair right now, um, but there's no frizz. Like my no. curls are thing. It looks, yeah. you know, I should tell people you have beautiful hair I'm looking at you when your hair's beautiful. <laughs> but I like, I woke up like this. Like I literally woke up like this and that's not to be like bragging. That's just to say that like, this is like what is supposed to happen. Like this is, right. this is what happens when you let your body work the way it was designed, mm-hmm. you know? So did people not use shampoo before? World War II? So they used different, different things. So herbal hair care has always been like a staple. Um, and then also they used like soap, you know, like saponified lye-based, you know, whether it's like saponified lard or a lye-based soap, um, which I, they, I still have issue with those. Um, but they do, I do find that people who have, you know, gone from using like something like, um, you know, like a soap, 
type of, you know, using soap on their hair versus shampoo. Shampoo do have a little bit easier time going no poo. Interesting. Yeah. And, but what about like our concerns that like your hair is dirty? Well, that's just a whole nother, that's just like a whole nother shift. Like lice and dirt <clears throat> and grossness. Well, something that I learned in school was that lice actually prefer clean hair um, mm, because natural oils make it harder for their eggs to stick, um, which um, I don't really know. We, and now that I have kids, I've been exposed to lice for the first, I never, I, you know, made it 13 years behind the chair and never once right. had lice or was exposed to lice. And I put my daughter in school and we all got lice, you know, oh, so gosh. Um, you know, we, we all have dirty hair. We all got lice. So I don't even really know how that true that is, but it was totally fine. And we, we were able to handle it without chemicals. And that mm. felt like a, huge, that felt like a huge test for me. <laughs> like, I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, I can't even listen to you right now because we, you know, Angelo and my three and a half year old just started school like last year. And you, as you know, when you're a mom, they bring home everything, apparently yeah. including lice, which if you can believe it or not is one horror I had not even thought about. <laughs> Until just right. now. And something I want to talk about is your uh, wild mother's medicine chest. And mm -hmm. you just like you sparked a fear in me because it's one thing to sit here and talk theoretically mm -hmm. about treating things herbally and naturally. But when you come home with lice and everybody in your family has it. Yeah. You want to go to Target and buy yeah. the strongest. Wanna, right. You want to set your hair on fire. Yeah. And make sure like, it's just like gone. And it's, so I'm sure that was hard for you. Yeah. And I, I totally did. I was like, I'm just going to go buy the chemical. I was like, I'm not dealing with this. I don't have time for this. I mean, my three month old baby had lice. You know oh what I mean? I was like, gosh. I don't have time for this. And then I did a little Google and I was like, okay, I can't put this. Like actually lice treatments are like really bad for you. <laughs> like probably one of the worst over the counter things. And so I was like, okay. I can't do this. I have to try. I have to give it my best shot. And so I did and it worked and it was great. Um, mm, and now I have victory. a nice little graphic for anyone who needs on Instagram that goes through all the steps of what I did. And apparently it's very helpful for a lot of people. Yeah, I'm going to download it now just in case. <laughs> Knock on wood. Yeah. <laughs> lice, lice are very, they're, I, they're like, I swear they're aliens. They're just like, when you learn about, read about lice, I'm, oh God, I hope I never have to read about this. I, I just like really hope. Oh, don't ever do it. So but, you know, go yeah. ahead. Mm -hmm. Nope, you're good. Continue. You mentioned you mentioned um oh my gosh, we're already coming up on an hour. I know. I feel like we just started talking. I know, me too. I'm like, we're just getting going. Okay. Um, I'm gonna be mindful of your time, but I do want to talk about the wild mother's medicine chest. Okay. Because, you know, you mentioned you became a mom and this is really how you, your journey started. And I have always been into mm -hmm. alternative medicine, herbs and such. As my my listeners have heard me talk about before, I always, I, I kind of felt that like for prevention, it was great. But when I got to where I really needed help, I mm -hmm. couldn't, you know, it, it wasn't going to cut it. Yeah. And I think I'm still working through that. And I, but I think I'm at a point where now I realize it's my lack of knowledge mm -hmm. more than the lack of efficacy mm -hmm. in the natural products. If that makes sense. Yeah. And it's also like shedding that conditioning, right? I mean, strep throat's going around like crazy right now. Right. And like so many of us grew up thinking you have, you get strep throat, you have to get an antibiotic. You know what I mean? Like you just do, right. that's what you do. You can't 
you know, there's this idea, this belief that, you know, 99% of the world, including the medical world, like medical professionals are like, you need an antibiotic treat strep. You cannot get rid of it any other way. However, I have healed the antibiotics without or strep without antibiotics. And my mother, luckily for me, that was a conditioning that I didn't grow up with because my mother who, by the way, when we would have stress, she would tell us stories about how she got scarlet fever from strep. So she knew Mm -hmm. the severity of what strep could turn into. Um, but she never, she never, um, I mean, we might've gone on antibiotics a couple of times, but you know, she always did the natural stuff and it's still what I used. I used when I had strep earlier this year, I still used the remedies that my mom used to give me when I was little. Um, but now I have like the mindset to know actually why it works better, in my opinion, better than antibiotics. Um, yeah. And just how it works in the body. And so I know, you know, it's, but so it's, it's shedding that mindset, right. It's shedding the mindset of like, I need someone else to heal me or to give me something to make, to heal me and reality, like you are the healer. You know what I mean? Like, you know, that's something that you know, when we're talking about our ancestors, like there's a healer in every home, like everyone in the family had an aunt or a mom or some, you know, every mom had a little medicine cabinet of like, you know, her culinary herbs or, you know, whatever they were doing, we don't have that anymore. So we have to outsource it, but like, you know, and it's, it's easy to get your medicine cabinet. It's a lot harder to shed the mindset that you can use it. Right. That's exactly right. So exactly. Mm -hmm. So like, I would say that I kind of have I don't want to say always, but like I would have the the cabinet, but then not trust yeah. in it in its efficacy. And I think it goes back to how we started this conversation, which is we look at the grandmothers who had the cabinet of remedies as they just had that because they didn't have doctors. Right. And now we have doctors. So why would I why would I use that cabinet? And I think I'm still kind of making that shift really like why would we yeah when we have modern medicine totally um and you know i mean ultimately it's up to you to choose when you want to utilize modern medicine for me my my idea of when i'm going to use modern medicine is way radical compared to most most people they'd be like you didn't go in for that you know and i'm like no i didn't um But I think like, I think the one thing, you know, we're, our intuition has been like so deadened in this area. And especially as mothers, like, you know, we're taught from the age, you know, that the minute we start having sex, we're taught to go to the doctor to outsource our body, um, you know, get a yearly pap smear, get on birth control. Um, you know, then, then the minute you get pregnant, you call your doctor, even though you took a pregnancy test, you missed your period. First sign you're (laughs) pregnant, you could know, but you're going to go take a pregnancy test to confirm that your body's what your body's telling you is true. And then you have to make a point with your doctor who's going to give you another pregnancy test. You know, it's, it's, it's yeah. just constant outsourcing. And so our intuition as mothers is, is very deadened long before we even thought we were ever going to sure. be moms. Um, and so as we're getting that back, you know, and playing with that dance of like listening to our intuition to know when we're going to utilize modern medicine, I think having community like-minded community can be very helpful because the most thing that I hear, and I know something that I had a hard time with in the beginning was it's hearing everyone else say 
well, you can't, you can't heal strep without antibiotics. Well, that ear infection can cause hearing loss. You don't want your kids to be deaf, better go get the antibiotics, you know, um, or telling you, you know, people in my DMs all the time are like, I really don't, you know, my baby has a fever. I really don't want to give them anything, but my mother-in-law keeps calling yep. me and telling me my yep. baby's going to have a seizure and die if I don't 100%. do this. hundred <laughs> percent. I totally yeah. feel that. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. And okay. Two things. One, I think part of the turning point for a person is when you start to realize like, what is the answer to why would I use my pantry and my herbs when we have modern medicine it's when you start to see whether because of injury or illness side effects you start to see that modern medicine causes a lot of problems and that's what's happened to me in many respects and then you start to say okay it's not a magic pill actually Mm -hmm. it has a lot of ramifications that's one two the reason I kind of brought this all up circling back to the wild mother's medicine chest is because nothing will make you want to learn more than becoming a mother because this feeling of helplessness and powerlessness when you have this child who's sick and you don't know what to do, you don't know who to trust. You don't know how like, this helplessness of I have to like hand my, the only way this child will get better is for me to completely trust my pediatrician. Mm -hmm. But you also have, you know, parents all the time who know something was wrong with their children and bring them into the pediatrician and are told it's not, not a big deal. It's not a big deal. It's not a big deal. But the mom knows and she keeps going back until she learns like, Hey, actually it is a really big deal, you know? Right. Right. Exactly. So I I think for me too, becoming a mom, I, that's been big for me where I, I cannot bring him to the doc. First of all, it's exhausting. You cannot bring your child. Like to me, I cannot bring my child to the doctor for every little thing Yeah, because he's three and a half and there's a lot of little things like (laughs) right now he's got a runny nose. He's stuffy. I think it's probably allergies. Everything's exploding. Like, I don't even know if he has allergies, but like, I can't take, my mom would be like, take him to the doctor. I'm like, what am I going to take him to the doctor for? But also <laughs> like, yeah, what's the doctor going to do? You're right. going to room for an hour and a half, probably be exposed to worse things. Exactly. Um, you know, exactly. And they're going to say it's viral and, you know, yep. you can't do anything for it anyway. Exactly. Exactly. So you, so this is a big thing for me. I, that has been really opening my eyes and forcing me to want to learn more because I do think that there is a lot we can do mm-hmm. at home on our own. And it helps us to feel more in charge of our families. And the fever thing, the fever thing is so big. And I've been on a journey with it. And the last time he was really sick, it's the worst fevers he's had, like highest temperature, longest, like usually he would have a fever and then it would like break and he was done. He had it for days. Yeah. My dad had fevers like that. I only gave him a little bit of like no die Motrin. Like he was, could not sleep. He was like throwing up. Yeah. Couldn't. And I was like, okay. So I gave him some of that, but, and let me tell you, everybody older than me is all I'm going to (laughs) say. That generation. Oh my God. Are you, are you, he's, you know, I, then I got to hear the story again about, 
the childhood kid they knew yeah. 50 years ago who had a fever and then he was mentally ill and you know challenged after that because the fever I'm like keep your fear stories to yourself yeah. and stop undermining me yeah <laughs> now, I have a question if you can think back or remember after your son had his big fever did he have any like big developmental like yes he grew yeah it's crazy. Fevers, I swear, fevers proceed. It's like this weird, well, it's a total rite of passage for moms, for sure. It's initiation. It's hazing, you know? Yes. Um, they do. It's like this weird thing they have to go through, like their body's like up-leveling, you know what I mean? And then they just like, you know, every every fever my daughter's ever had, she like comes out, you know, she was like one and had a fever and like started speaking full sentences the next week. You know what I mean? Do you it's know crazy. that I love that you just said that because I learned about that recently. Like, I think maybe another mom said it to me, like that there's like science behind this too. And I thought it was like a light bulb moment. You're thinking, boy, God and nature really are designed well. Like they yeah. know what they're doing. Yeah. The feet, the thing. And so if, if fevers are necessary as a way of kind of like, let's say burning the body into a next level, like firing it up for this mm -hmm. big burst, that's going to come. And then all we're doing is suppressing it, suppressing it, suppressing it, suppressing it. We're causing more damage. Yeah. And it really is another, you have to unlearn it. And it's yeah. scary because you don't love anything more in this world than your children. Yeah, of course. Yeah. It's, and it's you want, you know, you want to just take them to the doctor and be like, give them whatever. Yeah. But then, you know, it's, it's scary to learn that like giving them whatever causes problems too. Yeah. It causes more problems. So that's what part of what I think is really cool about the wild mother's medicine chest is I wanted to give moms a sense of confidence yes. when these things are happening. And so like in the fever module, I have a mom come on and we talk just like you and I are talking about how her son's first fever. Um, I mean, he had febrile seizures mm. and she completely supported him completely outside of the allopathic model. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's she, she reflected, she talked about what she would have changed and gone back. She talked about how she's going to move forward. She talked about what she was really right. proud of, but I can't tell you how many moms say, Oh my God, it was the first fever. I went back and I watched Amelia's interview about her fever with her son. And like, it held me, it gave me the strength to like, keep going. Yes. So the cough chapter, I have a mom who's, who's, I think like seven week old baby had pertussis mm. and she completely held space and she was supported and loved and that baby got better. You know what I mean? And like, it's it lets you know, because a lot of us don't have the community to like give ourselves, um, you know, like to have that like reinforcement and like build our confidence and yes. like, you know, keep our, right. keep our intuition, keep supporting our right. intuition. And so this gives moms a, a sense of like that, a little bit of like a virtual sense of that, like somewhere where they can go when they're doubting themselves and listen and like, know that like they can do this. You know what I mean? I do. I love that because it's the community you're talking about because most of us are like me instead surrounded by women that we love and respect who have raised children and we're getting like our intuition cut down and we're yeah. getting doubt injected into what we're doing in a crisis moment, you know, or a, an acute moment. And I, you know, you're already like, I mean, my mom raised four kids. Mm -hmm. I'm 
I'm just starting raising one. Like naturally what she says is going to like wobble me. Right. Yeah, Cause I'm like, okay, she, she and knows what she's doing in some way. <laughs> it's natural to want to like rely on your mom and your aunties and you know, your family to like, when to like carry you through this, you know, right. and that's what makes it the difference between like, you know, fever, your kid's first fever can be a rite of passage as a mom where you come out stronger and like more, um, you know, affirmed in your intuition and your relationship with your child, or it can be like hazing where you're just taking like verbal beatings from everyone around you and you feel really defeated. And maybe, maybe you make a choice that you wouldn't have made if you were supported and you feel like less of a mother, you know what I mean? Which I do. Yeah. nobody should ever feel like less than a mother because as moms like nobody has their child's best interest at heart as much as we do like it's insulting it's totally insulting to think anyone giving advice to moms has a better more yep you know more the child's best interest at heart more than the mom but um you know it's unfortunately it's the latter that happens a lot more often absolutely Um, and so Yeah. yeah i try to have a lot of empathy and compassion for that and short yeah. of you know, responding to every DM. First yeah. That's really, that's really yeah. kind of you because it yeah. is, it's scary. And what that, what, what that mother who's reaching out to you needs is just that community and that support. Yeah. And I, I think it's also, you know, this idea that like, as you're talking, I'm thinking, you know, the voice in my head will say like, well, children used to die because we mm-hmm. didn't have medicine. Yeah. You know, you could get a common fill in the blank mm-hmm. and you would die. Mm-hmm. And that's the, yeah, right. But that's the like also, push and pull. Yeah. And, but you also have to like explore that, right? Like, yes. Did people die from common things that people don't die from anymore? Of course. But like, what does that look like? Um, a lot of times, like once we had hot running water, like water hygiene changed that. It you know what I mean? Lot. Yes. Like, mm-hmm. hot, not even so just like hot running water, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. changed that a lot. Um, you know, things like that. Um, you know, talking about, you know, we're going back to the birth thing, how people say like, well, you know, women used to die in childbirth all the time that, you know, and it's like actually women in the hospital used to die because doctors were doing autopsies and not washing their hands and then going to deliver a baby. And then the mom, yes, the mother would die because she was, there right. was no concept of like what was happening. Right. And so when you like deacon, like, okay, yes, that's true. But like, why? And then right. you're like, oh, it's actually not that big of a deal. Okay. I have the tools. I have hot running water, <laughs> you know? Right. I- right. Yeah. Like sanitary hygienic things were actually yeah. a really big cause of illness and death in we're hospitals, especially. Yeah. Like we're not living in like, you know, the, you know, Those what times. That, you know, 1920 London where everybody's right. like tenement buildings back right. to back, back, you know, not wearing, you know, wearing the same clothes for right. you know, weeks at a time. It's true. It's, it's, it's all gets like really mucky and it's a scary topic. Um, illness is scary for yourself, for anybody that you love. And we definitely have been told that pharmaceuticals and modern medicine has saved us. Yeah. And it's not really that completely the whole, the whole yeah. story. Uh, and pendulum swing, right? It's that pendulum swing. Exactly. Yep. I have, tons of other questions that I would love to talk to you about. I do want to be mindful of your time. We've been talking for more than an hour. Maybe we'll do a part two at some point. 
Yeah, we should definitely do a part two. <laughs> okay, I, I'll good. I can chat with you anytime. <laughs> awesome. I love that. So I will link to pretty much everything we've talked about, you know, your your workshops, your website and all that. So if people want to learn more, and I think they will, just check out the show notes and I'll link to your Instagram too. You're you're pretty active over there. Schooling us. I feel like you're yeah. very good at schooling us. Like, <laughs> oh, you thought this? Well, let me tell you this. I yeah. love it. <laughs> so Ariel, thank you so much for giving me thank your you. time. It's been a, really a pleasure. Yeah, same. I'm happy to be here. Thank you for joining me, my friends, for another episode of Bella Figura, the tradition of living beautifully. I hope you took as much away from that conversation as I definitely did. Don't forget to subscribe to the show if you aren't already and share it with your friends and share it on social. You can find me on Instagram at Dolores underscore Alfieri underscore Taranto. And don't forget to reach out to me with any comments and ideas for episodes. I really do love hearing from all of you. Here's to knowing your roots and cultivating a beautiful life from their power.